0: They say the world could be hard, cruel, and ugly. Trust me, it gets worse if your hunger and thirst doesn't push you from position last place to first. Can't build a foundation without having feet in the dirt. So I put in the work, grind harder than most. I don't chase accolades of the living, I'm facing the ghost. That's what makes me the goat depending on who you ask my brother whatever task got it covered like a mask guarantee they can't see me at the open run because i cook competitors until they look well done don't act like you don't know where i held from i had to climb about the trenches sit on benches till my time and come don't be mad at the player be mad at the game sneak this in the hating that's a flag on the play me falling off huh? that'll be the day i'm like both in the race leave the track flan bay it's the okay. open run. Okay. Today is International Women's Day. You take that for what it's worth. But I like to celebrate women each and every day, just like I do with Black History A Day. It's International Women's Day or International Women's A Day, as it should be. A lot of the things that are going on in this world, I doubt if women were in control, would be happening. I mean, there's one thing to be petty. And I know a lot of women who are petty, but I know a lot of women who are great. I know a lot of men who are great, but men and their egos, it's a whole nother level, yours truly included. Celebrate and respect the role that women play in our society, in our homes, in our lives, each and every day and not just in some state-mandated, designated month or a day. But do something special for someone that you care about today and, and Make sure you do something special for them, whoever it is you honor, whether it be your grandmother, a mother, a friend, sister, girlfriend, wife, cousin, honor that. And with that said, I'd like to welcome you to the Open Run with Will Strickland. That would be me. The Open Run with Will Strickland is brought to you by the fine folks at Press. We are Press.net. I can be found across these rough interweb streets at W underscore Strickland and the number one on Twitter. Will Strickland and the number one on IG and across all streaming platforms where podcasts can't be fat. It has been said that pressure is a privilege, I don't know if that privilege is afforded to many in a way that they recognize it in that way, and I tend to say, in the words of that immortal Negro poet Stephen Jackson, with all the smoke, that I make love to pressure. Ukraine President Zelensky is under pressure, Vladimir Putin is under a different type of pressure, but pressure nonetheless. Zelensky, who, if you look at his career, you see him as a comedian, has stepped up in a way that many of us could only imagine a leader and the burden of leadership revealing itself in the tensest and most difficult of moments, not only for himself, but his people. Assassination attempts on a daily basis, still putting out messages to let people know he's okay, that Ukrainian people need the help of the world to stop this man invading their country unlawfully? And Putin's pressure is a little bit different. He's getting squeezed financially on, on sides, but it's not stopping his aggression. Not stopping his desire to prove that he needs to create a Ukraine state loyal to him and him only. Steve. The fact that a man named Lindsay, which I am I is that I don't know if that's sexist or But I don't know what what, what that is if I say a man named Lindsey and then laugh about it. Maybe that's on me. But South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham has even put out in the world through social media, of course, that somebody should go over to Russia and assassinate Putin. It'll make things a lot better. Hey, your buddy, who we'll talk about in a minute, Donald J. Drumpf, is a smooth criminal just like your boy. Now, you don't want to be associated with him. We get it. He says this. I don't know if there are any repercussions for him saying this because, you know, the law and order crowd is funny. Someone who wants to change the laws and orders of the 5th District in Minnesota, former NBA forward Royce White. White, a star coming out of Iowa State, had anxiety issues back when we couldn't talk about mental health. Or I shouldn't say couldn't. We didn't talk about mental health in a way that was sufficient in addressing in a way that was sufficient, especially as it pertained to young black males. It's different now. Alas, I digress. So back to the story at hand. Mr. White is now running for the Congress seat in the 5th District of Minnesota, a seat held by a woman, a very international woman, Ilhan Omar. The first Somali-American naturalized citizen and the first Muslim woman to hold A congressional seat in the state of Minnesota. First woman of color, actually, to represent Minnesota at all. She's also one of the first two Muslim women to serve in Congress. Sadly, she's been the target of several death threats and harassment by political opponents, and of course, false and misleading claims by one Donald J. Trump. Somehow, Royce White is running against her. Hmm. So I I find that that part in the situation in the world that we're in Not all that funny, but it is the democratic process. Much like the NBPA, the National Basketball Players Association went through recently, much like Congresswoman Omar, she was elected, duly elected, by her constituency, as were Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics, Bismack Bed Bath & Beyond of the Phoenix Suns, and Malcolm Brockman of the Indiana Pacers, to go alongside and be a part of the brain trust that is at the PA with President Christian James McCollum, Andre Tyler Iguodala, and Harrison Barnes. I don't even know Harrison Barnes' middle name. I know is playing for the Warriors, and Barnes for the Kings, if you want to call what the Kings do, playing basketball. But salute to Brown, Biambo, and Brogdon for being elected to their post as vice presidents and representatives of the Players Association one of the most progressive players associations in the world, led by another very accomplished woman, as outgoing executive director Michelle A. Roberts retires from her post. And Tamika Tremaglia, very accomplished lawyer out of the D.C. area, is now the executive director of the MBPA, so salute to her on International Women's A Day as well. Speaking of the players association, And there's nothing like the NBA. Like I said, these guys are very aware, very socially conscious in a lot of ways, whether you agree with their positions or not, they are active and that's great. And in support of the Ukraine, the New Orleans Pelicans rocked yellow socks in support of the Ukraine, in support of their fight against the aggression from Russia. And that was led by a Lithuanian. Lithuania, at one time being a part of the old Soviet Union, which a lot of people believe that Vladimir Putin is trying to create again. Jonas Christ Superstar, Jonas Valentunis, JV, was the leader. He said, you know, all of his teammates were really responsive to the gesture. And they all followed, too. And I thought it was great. It was a great way. I mean, you have a young man by the name of Maurice Creek, former Indiana University basketball player, who was basically, quote-unquote, stuck in the Ukraine. Cannot leave. They started a GoFundMe to get him out of the Ukraine. He's playing basketball over there. And, uh, you know, when you talk about traveling right now, whether it be Cheek... On basketball court, because I did call a couple of, because someone's not really happy with the officiating in the National Basketball Association, a Hall of Famer, by the way, and I'll get to that later on the podcast. But it's a great story, great article, and Sports Illustrated called Traveling Violations in regard to the WNBA and their threats toward New York Liberty owner Joe Sy, who also owns the Barclays Center and the Brooklyn Nets, because he was chartering private flights for his players, you know things you would do for a professional basketball team, that were not within the provisions of the recent collective bargaining agreement, the WNBPA and the WNBA, led by Kathy Engelbert. The commissioner said that you know these charters are unsustainable for the league. They cannot do it. It creates an unfair competitive advantage for the teams that have the ability to do so. Not every team has the ability to do so, but maybe that should have been one of the things that you look at any collective bargaining agreement so th- your players are not paying for their own trips to work. Or did Liz Cambage. And one of these players who might not even be able to report to work when the season starts May 5th is one of the faces of the league, one of the top players in the league, Brittany Griner From the 2021 runners-up to the WNBA championship, the Phoenix Mercury. The center is being detained, as they put it, in Russia allegedly having hashish oil in one of her vape cartridges now in 2020 when both the NBA and WMBPA, when both the NBA and the WNBA were in their bubbles trying to complete a season Brittany Griner took some time off for mental health issues at that point if I'm not mistaken she was issued a medicinal marijuana license to deal with her anxiety to calm herself and when in Rome, or well, in this case, when in Russia, maybe you can't do what you can do in Phoenix. Now, she's caught with the vape pens. Here's where the law and order crowd, the Dromthians, come in. Or well, maybe if she'd known or respected the laws of the land, she wouldn't be in this situation. She deserves everything that's coming to her. Except she's an American citizen in Russia who allegedly broke a law that she could be subject to 10 years in prison time for being caught with that. And I don't want to say which one is more important, but you can tell that somehow, because this happened in February, before this aggression really started, and maybe even weaponized as political fodder. She's been held, probably unnecessarily, but this is the way, in a small way, perhaps. Look at how Russia is going to treat America's aggression toward them, as they call it. NATO's aggression toward them. I don't see how it's equal. The United States is not bombing people, Brittany Griner might have smoked a little hashish oil to calm herself down after a game. She's playing for the Russian team where she makes well over a million dollars there. And I, you know, I can get on my soapbox and be like, yo, you know, if you, you know, you mess with the church house money. If that was that simple, that her people didn't check to see if that was legal for her based on her medical condition to make sure that she would not was not in any danger, that she had any sort of paperwork. I can place some blame there for sure. But it's different when... Certain things are happening and how the world responds to this young black female American. And again, I feel like I'm making these comparisons and I don't want to, but it's just odd, you know? They can get that same energy when Donald Trump was over there doing what he was doing, calling Vladimir Putin genius, his move, genius. That same crowd wasn't in that blah, 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 blah. Not about that, but we are. But just pay attention to how it's going down, and we want to make sure that we give our love and hopes that Brittany Griner is returned safely back to the United States with no charges. Hopefully, this is a diplomatic situation that can be taken care of quickly and and as quietly as they kept it for at least a month. She comes home, is able to enjoy the rest of her life, and make provisions for when she goes back, if she's ever able to go back, because I can't see any situation in the immediate future where any athletes, at least North America, are going back to Russia to play any sport. Well, we want you to come back and listen for more on the other side of this, on the Open Run with Will Strickland. We all agree tonight, all of the speakers have agreed that
1: America has a very serious problem. Not only does America have a very serious problem, but our America's problem is self myself
0: destruction, self-destruction, yeah, self-destruction. self-destruction. Yeah, destruction, giving more of what you've asked for. It's the open run with Will Strickland. In conversation with, well, I have to tell you this, my man Daddy O once said to me, You know a brother that stayed all day in his Jeep. At night he went to sleep, and in the morning all he had was sneakers on his feet. The culprits used to jam and rip the mic. Did we strip the Jeep to fill his pipe? I wandered around to find a place where they walk rock to a different type of... Come on, y'all. I'm introducing Daddy-O, Mr. Glenn K. Bolton. Daddy-O of the legendary rap band, the OG rap band, Stetson Sonic. What's up, brother?
1: Salute, man. Salute. What's going on? Trying to maintain daily operation, you know what it is. Yep. It's been too long, man. Yeah, yeah, really. Really, for real, for real. For real. The last
0: time I saw you, I had to have seen you with, like, Kelly Jackson somewhere. Yeah. Because it had to be, it couldn't have been, it's been 25, almost 25 years since the class. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You didn't tell me it's been 25 years since I last saw you, it goes
1: was No, I don't think it was 25 since you last saw me. When I taught the class, it was 98. Yeah, Yeah, that's
0: crazy. As I say in my classroom, 1998, the kids love it. That's crazy, that's crazy. (laughs) It'll be 25 years next year, man. So get ready when I call you about the book, I need some-
1: I'm ready, I'm ready, bro, I'm ready. But what have you been up to, how you been? i'm good man i'm blessed man you know i got a friend he, he he has this line i like it he says too blessed to be stressed right and, um you know i'm i'm too blessed to be stressed man i mean you know maintaining music is going good um working on the step record is challenging but really really dope um you know daddy or records is easy now right i mean i don't mean that they not work but they not hard anymore
0: Right, I mean you're yeah, a pro, yeah.
1: right? Yes. you know you're dealing with family. Well, it you... took it took a minute though. It took it took it took a minute though because there's not a um there's no rule book for hip hop as we grow or grow older. That's the word I'm saying. There's no rule for hip hop as we grow older. So what happens is R and B. Like I give you an example. The New Edition tour is out right now. Mm. They, they doing what the Temptations did? Right. And that's no disrespect to the temps or the new edition, but they doing what the temps did. You know, they go out, they do their classics, is singing, you know, whatever. Us, it's a little different because Bobby Brown right now, or New Edition, as all six of them. I like all six of them. When I was working at MCA Universal, we I feel like we did the best album with home again. But anyway, um, (laughs) um, um, new edition can go in the studio right now and make an album and it's all about notes and harmonies and all of that kind of stuff mm. for us it's a little different because as we grow the style of hip-hop change mm. right so I, I even say in one of my joints the new joints i said a style like to be them styles we ain't allowing you know what i mean like we can't sound like we used to sound mm. and that don't mean how we used to sound as whack but it does mean how we used to sound as old because hip-hop has always been very, it, it, you know, Chuck D made that line when he said, you know, hip-hop is the, is the CNN of the Black community. Right. And that's just, I think that's just part of it. But hip-hop has always been whatever as a community we represent, the music is that. So it's mm-hmm. always been very current, and it's still current.
0: Right. I think what we get ham- hamstrung by, and this happens because we work on the industry side as well. Right we allow people who don't understand our culture to dictate the terms of our culture, the terms of engagement, to right. tell us it was a young man's sport or a right, young right. woman's sport.
1: You're right. right, you're right. And by
0: allowing that, the whole keep it real aesthetic- You're right. Is, is keeping it real, being a responsible, taxpaying, adult, right. takes care of his family and his kids, that's hard body to me. That's hard body keeping it real. If you, yeah. look, at, if you look at, like we don't talk about keep it real, I, I'll paraphrase. Right. What the great Kelvin Mercer once said in a song. Right. You know, the News from Daylight Soul. Right. said we don't keep it real, we keep it right. Because yeah. if you think about it, if you keep it right, real is a natural byproduct. So when you keep it right with yourself. Right. And you don't allow the terms dictated by someone else to tell you, well, you're old. See, and I talk about this in my class, too, just so you know.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: You haven't even gotten to your resume yet, but we're going to get into that in a second. Right. I tell young people in my class, I don't come from the Old rap era. There's a reason why the Rolling Stones at '90 with formaldehyde in their systems because they damn near dead. Right. Still at an arena anyway
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Right. Because what do they call their music from their era? What do they call it? They still
1: call it rock and roll. They call it classic rock. Yeah, they call it class. And I say, what I do they don't say? Use- yeah. What do they say about us though? Old school. We, we use we old school. school. Old. Yeah, I've been using classic. I've been using the word classic for a few years now. I just think that what happens is because there's no rule book, sonically, and, 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 you know, there honestly is a rule book. I just don't think that we pay attention because I remember being a young MC, And when I was a young rapper, way before I made records, studying was the name of the game.
0: Yes yeah, sir explain yeah. studying sir explain. when I say
1: studying I mean so for me this is getting every tape I could get my hands on now these rap records that start coming out. 79 they start making vinyl you buying you going in record stores and you buying every piece of vinyl that they tell you is a rap record right. you don't even know what it sounds like right. but you're just getting it and you're listening to everything you possibly can. Africa, mm-hmm. Islam comes on the radio. I don't know, one, two o'clock in the morning. You staying up to tape it. Mr. Magic is on a little earlier than that. God bless the dead. You know, mm-hmm. we we taping that. But whoever is on the radio playing rap, which you know at that time, rap is only getting played on the weekends and in the nighttime. You so you you're absorbing as much as you possibly could to try to figure out who you were. Right. Right. To try to figure out where you fit in at that, because you knew you couldn't just totally copy somebody and just be there. You know what I right. mean? So you try to figure out who you are. And I think I pretty much know that for 2022, that's the rule. Right. OK, so you, could I, say, you,
0: you could say that. But here's the here's the interjection. And I'll put this in okay. here because now you talked about when you didn't have so you had to go and hunt. Today it's readily accessible, so convenience ends up being a crutch to our not MC. To the class. It shouldn't because
1: be. It shouldn't I'm be a crutch to, to classic, classic MC.
0: When I not to a classic MC, no, no, no. I'm talking about the accessibility
1: mm-hmm.
0: of the music. I can. I don't have to go anywhere to go get it. That's I don't right. have. We didn't know a, a EPMD came on on Tuesday. I didn't know that. I just walked right. to the store that day. Yeah. Now when you got cats in the street going yo. You saw what Drake did on the billboard charts this week? What? Right, right, Money. right. So the accessibility to something right. that was, it was industry, it wasn't, you weren't industry when you were doing it. Right. So There's a different passion. And I'm not knocking the young cats. It's just, they that genie's at the bottle. You, you helped to build that though. So it's yeah, kind of I mean, gift and the curse in a way that the thing you hunted for then became popular enough that someone said, let's commodify this thing. Right. Let's put it out to the masses, and then we now have other vehicles of transportation for this day. Right. Initially, it was just here's some cassettes, here's some vinyl. Now right. you got videos. Now you right. got albums. Now you got Swatch watch. rest. Right. Now right. you got all this other, all, all these vehicles. They articulate from that one idea of study. Right. So you're at the genesis of that. Right. And like I said, it's kind of the gift and the curse is that these young people don't realize it with all that accessibility, they don't have to really make a choice. They just choose the thing and be like, I'm good with this. I don't wanna go anywhere else.
1: Well, see so this is
0: the thing. This is the thing that's been homogenized. And they told us that if you don't sound like this, you're not getting any burn.
1: Yeah, but my thing is for the classic, for classic, see, I believe in hip hop all the way around. So mm-hmm. um, I believe in Chuck D, I believe in Key Glock, right? I believe in Kane, I believe in T Grizzly. Like I believe in hip hop all the way around. I, love I, I The young kids get a pass for me because mm-hmm. they just young kids. So I don't look at them like they anything other than young kids. No doubt. Sometimes they hit. Sometimes they miss. That's their business. Do your thing. My point when people ask me what's wrong with hip hop, a lot of people, you know, there are people that think there's something wrong with it. Right. When people ask me what's wrong with hip hop, I say we're absent fathers because if Key Glock is not my son, whose son is he? Right, He's not Kenny G's son. <laughs> He's not Bob Marley's son. Right. He's not John Bon Jovi's son. Key Glock is my son. Right. Lil Uzi Vert is my son. Right. Okay, and 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 and, and most of my peers. No disrespect to them, but I'm calling it what it is because I don't hold my tongue. They'll claim J Cole. They'll claim Kendrick. Right. But then they they'll go right along. They won't claim Young Thug. Mm. You understand, they won't won't claim um, 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 Blueface. They won't claim Pooh Shasty.
0: Is that one of those, um, you know, try to select who's your favorite child type things?
1: No, I think it is. They have a concept that they say, oh, this ain't even really hip hop no more and all of that. They got this thing where I I understand purism. Mm. I think that that's cool. My point, the point I've been trying to stress is what happened with classic jazz and smooth jazz. Right. Because in the very beginning, Najee and and Kenny G couldn't get arrested. Right. Everybody was like, you are not jazz. You are not Miles. You are not Monk. You are not Charlie Parker. You are not jazz. Okay. But But, but smooth jazz continued on. No doubt. And now they have a place. Some people still are purists and still won't listen to Smooth. Jazz. But my point is smooth jazz has a place, and so does classic jazz. Same thing with and the records. Right. No and, and, and 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 but we don't make no records. Mm,
0: well. So if
1: we're not making new records, we are just nostalgia. Right. Like that's all we end up being. It's so funny. I was talking to uh, well, I'm not t- he was texting me today. Diamond was texting me today and says, "Man, one of the things I love about you," he said, "You like Raheem or the Furious Five? Y'all don't sound dated." Mm. But that's because me and Ross study everything that's out there.
0: Mm.
1: Now, we dude, don't really. It, it don't bother us to listen to young kids. We still don't sound like them.
0: Okay, I'm gonna ask you that because we're not only talking all things hip-hop, but talking all that jazz. Right. Daniel from Stets of Sonic here on the Open Run with Will Strickland. Do you get accused of trying to sound like the young cats with what you Never. do? Or is it a Never. matter of appreciating what they do and making sure that your voice is a part of the voices that are here today so they appreciate what came before
1: them? I tell people all the time, I, I give an example, barbecue, you know, black folks, barbecue, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. young kids in the back, They got on whatever they got on. They little Balenciaga sneakers. They ball main t-shirts, whatever. (laughs) Unk comes in. Right. He got on gaiters. He got on a knit that you never saw before. Right. His wrist is different than your wrist. Mm. You understand? That's who I am. Mm. You know what I mean? it's, it's, it's it's, It's a distinction there in terms of who I am and who they are. But right. we got to But we have to show and prove like I don't think it's wise for us to not be rapping right now. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that that's a. I don't think that's a smart move, because uh- what ends up happening is that you end up being nostalgic. You end up being history. You end up being an old stone. And are you value? You probably are valued. But when the young kids, it's hard for them to understand it if you're not spitting fire. Right, and I guess the best example I could give is Jada, but Jada's younger than us. But Jada, when they did the verses, right, all of a sudden the young kids started understanding, like, oh, these guys are on something different,
0: or the kids who saw Kane and KRS one
1: exactly. This
0: just dropped an album, and right? Uh, like, oh, you know, I'm kind yeah. of past that, you know, but it's young cats were like, oh, damn. The teacher's still
1: doing his thing. And that's the that's the point. The point is that we're probably far beyond whatever radio is doing. That's really? their business. That's their business. Mm. They're going to do what the advertisers tell them to do, whatever. I tell people all the time. We say, oh, rapper's this. Oh, the record company's this. I say, you can't blame the record companies because they were trying to make money. You can't blame the artists because we crazy. We'll do anything on any given day. <laughs> but black radio failed us. They really did. Well, I, I think we need a whole
0: nother podcast. I'm dead serious.
1: Yeah. A whole nother podcast
0: to talk Black yeah, radio. We need to
1: do, yeah, we'd probably try to try to do a panel, it'd be dope. I'm you know with, what I'm saying? I'm but yeah, that. Black radio failed us because Black radio is the ones that, um, I say this all the time, a couple of years ago before the pandemic, I won't, I won't call her a queen because Aretha's a queen and Gladys is a queen. So one of our princesses, Tony Braxton made a new album with one of our kings, I will call him a king, Babyface, mm. and, and Black Radio didn't play it. And the record was dope. Because there's Wait. no way you get Tony and Babyface in the studio and it's not dope. Right. The record was dope. They just didn't play it. And why? Because they, it, 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 whatever they their reasons are, they, the, the advertisers, the we, we're owned by Clear Channel. I don't know what their reasons those, are.
0: Those names don't resonate with our audience today.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, a, a, it's weirdo, right? though. It's weirdo, yeah. though, because you want to know why? Music, one thing about music, man, and you know this because you've been involved so long. Music has a way of penetrating a whole lot of BS. No doubt. You know, music could stop an argument between a husband and a wife in the house. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes, m- music has that ability, and but it does have to be heard. That's one thing I will say. I I can't say music is that without being heard. Mm -hmm. But if it's heard, it can move some mountains.
0: You understand? Yeah, let's move some mountains, man. Because I don't think they understand how many mountains you've moved. And on every podcast and every episode of the show, I always have my guests come on and run their resume. Not running the jewels today. You're going to run your resume. right, right? And just let them know who Daddy O is and what he does.
1: Well, I mean, I, I'll tell you what I remember because I'll uh, so have to tell uh, I be telling the kids nowadays, nowadays you could Google me. I never had Google in the past. Not, Not exactly. Wikipedia. But um I started off um rapping with, with my group. We was the Stetisonic three at first. Um we, we just kinda wanted to be comparable to Treacherous Three, mm-hmm. Furious Five, Fantastic Five, Cold Crush Four, Fantastic. You know, all of the groups that we had heard right. and you know, we, we had a little, we had a DJ, um, three MCs. We put it together and we just kind of began to expand from that. We needed a DJ. We was hanging out in Brooklyn. It was Brevoit day across the street from the Brevoit projects. We saw this little guy DJ it was Prince Paul. Right. We asked him to be in the band. He was 17 years old. We had to get permission from his mom. Not too long after that, we entered a citywide contest. We won a contest. We got a record deal. And then we learned how to produce records, you know? And that's how I became a producer, not because I wanted to be a producer, but because sonically, some of the engineers that we were encountering didn't know the way we wanted to sound. Right. And, And in addition to that, I had this band with these two great guys Prince Paul on one side, DBC on the other side, who owned equipment that knew how to make music. I right. didn't know none of that stuff. Paul and them had drum machines, I ain't know none of that. I just wanted to be a rapper. Right. DBC lived in Middletown, New York. He used yeah. to have to come down to Brooklyn to stay at my crib on the weekends when we were when we all us wasn't working, so we could rehearse. Right. When DB used to fall asleep, I used to get on his equipment. Mm. And that's how I learned how to produce records. That's wow. That's and so, wow. you know, ultimately down the line, after producing Stets Sonic, we were signed to Rush. Rush created a little subdivision of the management company for producers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And some production work started coming in. I think probably the first full album I did was me and DBC did the Cookie Crew over overseas. Um, and then I was a big fan of alternative music. Cause I had already, I, you know, I was into the B-52s and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so when the alternative stuff used to come in to rush producers management, I was the guy who used to take it. So I ended mm-hmm. up working with the B-52s. I ended up working with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I ended up working with Sonic Youth. I ended up working with Pizzicato Five, got with Puff, did some records with Mary, um, wrote and produced Jeffrey Osborne. And And, and you know, it just kind of started to grow from there. The third world the third world i work with third world because a good friend and you know her a good friend of ours vivian scott chu yes sir was doing like she was kind of the catalyst for some of that reggae reggae, yeah like breaking through yeah so she she started yeah she started me off with a group called ipso facto that never really made it but they were dope as hell mm. and because of the work I did with Ipso Facto, she was like, "Daddy, oh, I think you should do this third world record." Mm. And so I, I ended up with, you know, shout out Bunny Rugs, God bless the dead. Um, mm. I did some records with with, with Bunny Rugs, so I, you know, I, 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 I began to be a, i like I said, I, I kind of grew into being a producer,
0: right? Um, but you're in this group, this band, right? There were rap bands back in the day, no. Right, you were in a band and and you, you released some records, and we're going to talk about one of the greatest release, re- like how we do with the NBA. There's like these draft classes, and people try right. to decide what the best draft class is. We're going to decide a little bit later what the right. best rap release year
1: was. Don't I say know. it yet. I know, I know what it is. So yeah. I know you know, but I'm going to put it out there, and we're going to see. I mean, me, I'm, me, 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 and my man I have an argument about this all the time. You have
0: a bias for sure, and, and yeah. we're going to get into that. But like, look. You got in this group and you you showed the diversity of what you were doing, the breadth and the depth of your production skill and the people you've worked with in your ear. And as a rapper who was coming up in the late 70s, early 80s, mid 80s, and now this thing is at record labels now, you start to see this thing start to flourish and thrive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was important to you as an MC, as a group to say, okay, we're going to be this one thing. We're going to talk about all gangster stuff or we're going to talk about Dancing and girls, or we're going to talk about this. What was it? What was it, the, the decision to say? You know what? We want to be as well-rounded as we possibly can be, or we want to go after this one thing. What was that discussion like? If you had that discussion at all,
1: it's not really a discussion. It's really an MC delight call. So, delight and I formed Stetson Sonic. Mm-hmm. Delight created the name. Mm-hmm. We came from a. We actually are progeny from a group called Stetson Brothers. Mm-hmm. And they told us, they start hustling and making money on the street. So they told us, y'all could go ahead. Y'all could take Stetson Brothers. We get money on the street. right? And we did that for almost three weeks, four weeks. And then the light was like, yo, I don't want to be called Stetson Brothers because people are still going to think it's them. So I said, so what? He said, well, I came up with a name Stetson Sonic. And I said, what that mean?" He said, well, Stetson means style, Sonic means sound. I said, okay, I'm with it. And right. so that's how we became Stetsonic and later on to be the Stetsasonic three MCs. The Light always taught us that we're going to make music for the mind, the body and the soul. Talk to him. So his thing was, I know we could do message records all day, every day because of our teachings. But that's not the incomp. You know, like he wanted to be more like um, more like Gamble and Huff. Mm-hmm. Like it was more that that kind of thing. Where so you got the OJ's making message in our music, which actually Sonic just remade on the new album. It's crazy, right. right? Um, But so you got the OJ's making message in our music, but you also got them making records like Sunshine, right? Or, you know what I'm saying? Whatever, like right? I love music and those kind of those kind of records. And so Delight always told us we're gonna make music for the mind, body, and soul. What he meant by that is the mind was gonna be what people would call conscious records or whatever. The mm. body records was going to be straight up and down dance. You know, that's what's going to, you know, that's talking all the jazz comes out of that body. Right. right. And then the soul was going to be, you know, all the feel good kind of stuff. You know what I right. mean? So Sally comes out of that. Faye comes out of that, like that kind of stuff. So that was the decision of who who actually delights A&R in the new record too. Cause you know, we, we, we said Sonic has two, kind of like two leaders mm. because it was two founders. So Delight has more of the shaping and I'm more of the day to day. Right. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, you, he built the car you and you put the engine in.
1: Exactly. So that's yeah. the way we, that's the way we kind of, where he said, D, this is the way I wanted to go. This is what I'm going to need you to do. This is what I'm going to need them to do. And then Mia, that's my mission to get right. them out there and get them to do it. So that was that was really what it was for us. And then the other thing with us was what we come from. So us coming from Brooklyn and, and you know, hanging out at Gershwin Park and the Prospect Park stuff. And then, you know, going up to Manhattan and Central Park and seeing war, seeing earth, wind and fire, and the groups that came out of Brooklyn, seeing Sky, seeing Brass Construction, you know, seeing all of that kind of stuff. We wanted that feel because we grew up watching those bands. Right. And so we just wanted I mean, we knew we was doing hip hop. There was no doubt about that. We knew we was rhyming and scratching and all of that. But we wanted that feeling that we felt when we might have first seen Brass Construction, when we might have first seen BT Express like that. Cause it was a, there's, there's the earth, wind and fire. And then those are national bands. Right. Then there's, there's BT express and sky and brass construction. Those are local bands. Right. That was killing the game. Right. With their own sound. You know what I mean? It wasn't the sound of everybody else. And that's what we wanted to feel like. We just wanted to feel like that kind of, and it was a collective thing we knew That we wanted to feel like a collective, not just a, I was talking to somebody about the cover of InfoGear the other day. And I was saying what we wanted to be is, you know, a lot of times when you looked at rap covers, most of the guys on those covers was rappers. Right. We wanted to make it clear. Those are the rappers. This is the DJ. That guy plays keyboards. That guy plays drums. Like we wanted that feeling. Mm hmm that was important well,
0: to us. That's dope. I mean, you clearly inspired a little group out of Philadelphia as people might've heard of before.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Called The
0: Roots, clearly.
1: Yeah, and, Amir says that all the time. Look, yeah.
0: how could they deny it? Yeah. You know, and anytime you talk to them about it, they will always pay homage and respect to that. And yeah. you talk about you know the things that you guys have done, and you talk about the subject matter. One song in particular stands out to a lot of young people that I teach today, a song that was done with the artist formerly known as Lawrence Christopher Parker called self-destruction, right? right? And my brother and I have this funny thing about that video, right? Because, and, and this is my issue a little bit with your career and that video. Hear me okay. out. My favorite record of yours, from a from just the popular side, I'm not going to get real deep, but okay. I'm going to do deep, uh, okay. is "Sally." The okay. beat, as soon as it comes on, some people don't like the way it was. No, it was over. Right, right? right. No video right. as a driver. We talked about the vehicles earlier Right, it helped move that thing. That changed, I think, your trajectory.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because we couldn't see we couldn't hold on to that. It's after the thorn the in our side because we we were signed to Tommy Boy and Tommy Boy didn't believe video sold records. Mm. So we didn't have a Sally but video because Sally, uh, Sally didn't chart the way Tommy boy would have liked it to chart, to get a video. That's And we always say, we always say the difference between us and every other group is no Sally video. Like that's a, that's a, like, like I said, it's a thorn in our side because we always say we would have been a whole different type of success. Had we had a Sally video. I was looking for that joint too. And I'm trying to
0: do that. That And then seeing your
1: self-destruction
0: video. Right brother and I, I'll break down videos. I'm the a- mm-hmm. So I'm listening to, to, watching the video. I'm seeing all the people I wanna see in the video. And guess your part with, it was you and Wise together in the video, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And I see Wise mouthing his lyrics like he's getting ready to do his thing. I'm like, I bet you daddy-o wrote his rhymes. You don't have to stay.
1: You don't have to say, but I feel like you did. No, we wrote that together. Okay. That's just yeah, yeah. it's like we sat. My- I wrote I wrote I wrote all the talking, all that jazz, though.
0: Right. Right. That's why. But that's why I said that to my brother. We were sitting watching it. And then I go right after that. When Just Ice gets on, I said, money, you see how many times Just Ice blinked in this video? 17 <laughs> times. Is we were breaking it down like NFL that's tape.
1: Crazy. That's crazy.
0: OK, this is us back then, because like we talked right. about matter. And yeah. we wanted to know more about why this thing was affecting us the way it was affecting us. You are Brooklyn to the heart, no doubt. Right. But part of because you don't live in Brooklyn no more. No, I don't. <laughs> so I'm like, you, but you're always going to be Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, I mean, Brooklyn's not the same anymore. So you know, I don't, I, I don't are, feel no way about that because right. Brooklyn is, uh, uh, you know, it's different. I'm not. I'll leave it, it
0: there. But one live. thing we do know, and we are talking about this. You know, with Daddy-O from Set to Sonic here on the open run, Will Strickland, that March 9th, 1997, ninety-seven—the a very bittersweet day for me, personally. is right. my mom's birthday. Shouts out to my dear old girl. And the day that I was called and told around 4 o'clock in the morning, because I didn't go to Sprite Night. I didn't go to the Soul Train Awards that year. Right. That somebody had shot Christopher George Latour Wallace right. coming out of Peterson Automotive museum right after a party there and he was gone yeah and having been on that those first tours in the early days of bad boy
1: Mm -hmm.
0: with them and knowing that he was gone and it's been 25 years now kind of like when we were talking like it's been 25 years right right it's crazy to believe that he is gone um but what do you remember about him and like what he contributed to, because I did a show with Master Ace, or I did a podcast with Master Ace. We talked about Brooklyn MCs. He had to name his starting five Brooklyn MCs. They're Like we'll be here all day, right, right, right. Yeah, but he true. was one of those ones that made a lot of lists. So, what yeah. do you remember about him, and and what he meant to Brooklyn, and 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 as
1: the fabric of MCs out of Brooklyn? Well, Big, you know, my mo- my most notable memory with Big, and I talk about this all the time, is that he had a line to me that he always say, it's all in the plan, daddy-o. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all in the plan, daddy-o. I had heard the album really early. Mm. I heard the album, loved the album. I, I, you know, I, I was mistaken, but I said, when this kid drops this album, nobody else is gonna ever make another hardcore record. He's just wow. too good. Mm. Because everything hardcore prior to big was done by a bunch of guys that couldn't rap as good as him. Mm. And that's no disrespect to Cube, who was the best rapper in that particular Massive. Mm. But Mob Style couldn't really rap that well. Mm. Schooly couldn't rap that well. Mm. Ice-T couldn't rap that well. Mm. Scarface wasn't good enough yet. That's just Mm. facts. Mm. This guy comes out as a real MC. Because no, prior to that, I guess those guys could have called themselves MCs, but other <laughs> people could argue and say, hey, they just rappers. Right. But now here's a lot real- of difference.
0: I don't think a lot of people know the difference. Just like I make a differentiation between rap and hip hop. Yeah. Is the same thing with MCs and rappers.
1: Yeah. So now this, here's a real MC doing the hardcore stuff. So in my head, I'm like, nobody's coming after it's like being on stage and somebody doing something dope on stage and trying to come behind them nobody's coming behind this guy so mm. i heard all this hardcore records it was like um what you want nigga. give me the loot a few of them joints mean, mm. you know, one day man he came around because he used to live right around the corner from me he mm. came to my house with juicy i said man what's this bullshit?" right you know what i'm saying he looked at me and said Send the plan daddy oh and yeah. you know, Ju- juicy ended up being a big record
0: he had to you know? be convinced that, that was the one, because you know the one he wanted to pick, right? No, nah, I don't know what he wanted to pick. Sheen Gun Funk, he wanted to be
1: the first yeah, singer. That, that, that's, a, that's a mean record. You know what I'm saying? But but it, it, who was he going to speak to? Puff had different ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he told me it was in the plan. I'll never forget when he said he married Faith. He mm. said, you married her? Because I, I was there when he met her. Right. You know what I'm saying? I said, you married her? He said, it's <laughs> all in the plan, daddy-o. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> So that's one thing I remember about Big, like Big always thought two, three, four, sometimes five steps ahead. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, it, he, he was just uh, one of the things that happened with me and Biggie. And it would, I would see this later, but I had never seen it up until then. So us growing up, you know, and this is a big argument even now, you know, freestyle rhymes to us just meant rhymes that we were not gonna put on records. Right. But they were still written. Right. When LA started getting into the game, notably Freestyle Fellowship, that whole crew at The Good Life, Snoop was part of them. A lot of people don't remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, They start going off the dome and they start calling that freestyle. Mm. So it's kind of two definitions of freestyle, but, um. I had never seen anybody rap from their mind. It was all about a yellow legal pad. Right. Almost all of us, all black and white notebook. Right. And, you know, some cats had tons of, you know, you hear cats, Melly Mel and Kaz and them talk about it in their tapes of my ramen book and da 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 da, because everybody mm-hmm. had these ramen books. Right. So when we were putting together Junior Mafia, I was in a studio with Biggie and Un. C's was there too. We in my studio. Him and C's is in my lobby. I'm preparing the beat, and then Un looks at me and says, "Daddy, oh, he's ready." And I said, "Ready for what?" He said, "He's <laughs> ready to rap." I right. says, "Where's his pad?" He said, "Daddy, oh, the nigga don't write." <laughs> I looked at Un like he was an idiot. I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> he gets on the mic. I'm surrounded by criminals, heavy rollers, even I'm like, yo, what is this? Right. You know what I'm saying? And every other time that I was in in the studio with Big, it was the same thing. I, love I would later, I would later on see Jay do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with Jay-Z on um, I got we got when I was working at MC Universal, um, Shy had a big record card, you know. Um, um, you know, they had that if I ever fall in love, and then they never really had a follow up, but they did have a record called I Don't Wanna Be Alone and we got Jay-Z to do the re, we got Molly Maul to do the remix and then Jay-Z to rap on it. Right. And Jay, I will, I will go on to see Jay rap with no paper. Mm. And then a little later on down the line, I will go on to see Styles P do the same thing when I wait made music with him and Umar bin Hassan of the last poets. Right. So I've seen it more than once now, but it's still it, amazing it, to me. No doubt. I mean, like,
0: I love what Premier tells the story about how when he came in and did unbelievable. And I mm-hmm. remember being there that day, bringing in some records when I was at Epic. Right. I'm like, why is he playing R. Kelly so loud up in here? Right. I couldn't get it. He was program- pro- programming. I'm like, I know Big is not about to try and sing because he told me right. he was in Big. So to drop the records off and bounce, and I, I couldn't hear what he was doing production wise. I right. couldn't hear. Then we said how big came in with you know he had a crew with him. They went back in that room at D D you can't right.
1: sit on the couch, right? Right, right, right. I would
0: take one of those CSI blue lights before I sat on that uh, couch. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Right. And uh he said just money came in the booth out of sitting back there. He's like, This is money. I'm just chilling. Yeah, he's like, keep playing the, the the hook over and over, right? Or the R. Kelly shit over and over. Yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah. Why you wanted to display it the whole time up through the studio? He says, he walks in the booth, knocks out the first verse. He goes, I'm gonna come back a little bit do the ad libs and the hook. And he was like, what?
1: Yeah. I looked away the, well,
0: the story and now I have another story with you telling it. But- yeah, it's crazy. When talking about MCs, could you imagine your top five verses of all time from who and, and what song
1: and why? I can imagine my top song lyrically. Verse wise. So I got that song, which is three verses. Yeah, I guess.
0: So what what would that be?
1: So the song is by Andre Nicotina. Mm. It's called Train With No Love. It's the most perfect rap song ever written, ever. Uh, It's just, it's the best beginning, middle and end in any record I've ever heard. And that's even, I mean, it's as good but just a, it just it, it 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 edges slick ricks the moment I feared a little bit. Ooh, that's rich. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's dope. It's it's called Train with No Love by Andre Nicotino. So that's three verses. Okay. And then the next two I don't know where to put them. Would be LL's last verse and Rock the Bells one. Right. And 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 Melly Mel's verse in the um in the Beat Street thing.
0: Right. That's deep.
1: Yeah, that cool. that don't be a slave to no you know that Melly Mel verse in the Beach Street thing is just, it was so futuristic, it's scary. If you listen to it today, it's mm. really scary to think that he thought that then.
0: It's amazing when you see an artist on that level and you've been able to contribute to something so great. And we're gonna have you come back and contribute more to right. the open on the other side of this. listening to the sounds of the Open Run with Will Strickland, where the lecture is conducted for the mic into the speaker in conversation with Glenn Kate Bolton, better known to you as Daddy-O from the legendary Sonic crew. Sir, sure. Yes, sir. Brooklyn Nets or New York Knickerbockers?
1: Oh, Knicks all the way. The Nets is still a Jersey team in my mind, but but, <laughs> but, hold on now. <laughs> we, if, if, if Kevin Durant could stay healthy, we might see something. Like you gotta think about if the restrictions are lifted for Kyrie, who could do anything, mm-hmm. and anybody who knows basketball knows Kyrie could do anything. That listen, man, Ben Simmons being in the middle, he ain't gotta score but four or five points a game. <laughs> because the bottom line is he he's the new Oakley, he's the okay. new and he's the new Anthony Mason.
0: Damn, that's right? really is that that's, underselling him or overselling him?
1: no i think it's I, I think it's right right in there because he's big like that and mm. just him being there you i i don't think see ben simmons has never been i mean i guess he i guess somebody would argue with me and say oh well, philly had that i don't believe philly had that ben simmons has never been on the team with a kyrie irving and a friggin' kevin durant true enough these guys um in you know if they write are freaks of nature mm. I mean, this is an easy something you never seen two guys scoring 50 that same night. If it works, and then you got this guy in the middle, man. That every time he's he's there for the pick, he's there. So that could be that could be an interesting thing. But I think all of that is dependent upon whether Kevin Durant could stay healthy because he's giving me Greg Odom vibes right now. <laughs> well, come on, man! The man just scored twenty five thousand points in the NBA. I don't think Rick Odom yeah, scored. You no, know, I mean Odom got real hurt. But I'm just saying, it's like, what? What's the deal, there?
0: I well, can't I mean, look. A stiff wind might blow him over. Kevin Durant's not
1: the most muscular yeah. guy. That's why we got. That's why. Well, I'm saying we because I'm Brooklyn But that's I mean, why Ben Simmons is there. You know what I mean? But I'm a Nick. But I'm a Nick fan. I'm a Nick fan through and through. I just, I'm a, Knick, I'm Knicks. Like I tell people all the time, because I'm I travel all the time. I I I, I feel like sometimes I got no win in the game. I'm Knicks, Jets, and Mets. Wow, you just
0: you know what you, you are definitely a fan. You got to be yeah. a fan and still love them.
1: I'm like and 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 for for hockey I'll take them both. I'll take cool. Islanders and Zan Rangers on on hockey, but what I don't is- take I don't take Jets and Giants for football. I take Jets. Why? why? Why the Jets and not the Giants? I just always, I lo- always loved the Jets. As a little kid, I loved the Jets. Maybe it was the fur coat. I don't know.
0: Uh, Joe Nance. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to go analog and digital real quick. Right. Since that's the case here. When I had you in my class at UMass, right. We're talking about the technical or the tech revolution in this music industry, and in particular with rap. Right. You were so far ahead of the curve. I would sit and listen to you all day. To mm. have you in my class, it was an honor to have you in the class first of all. Thank you months. sir, thank you. To come up to UMass and do that in the class and kind of talk about where you were with it. What was the thing that told you the next wave is this and if you don't see it, you're gonna become a dinosaur by the year 2000, because this is like 98. Um, that we were in
1: class. It was when I downloaded my first MP3. Mm. Cause back in the day when everybody had dial up modems it was um it was really kind of message board um driven right and most of the people that ran these little message boards was like 13 14 15 year old kids (laughs) wasn't no grown men at all right and they used to be like you had to be super nice to them and all of that just to get in and all it was so stupid right Right. but i ended up getting there was a little program on the Mac because i always had a macintosh this is before Macintosh was popular this is before Apple was had the iPhone. This is when everybody's PCs was faster than my computer, but I, mm-hmm. I had a Macintosh and um, there was a little program called Hotline that I used to get on and I used to, you could download things, but it would take all night to download one MP3. Wow. And you had to interrupt your phone line to do it because there was no such thing as you know, not a, it was all through the phone line. So you would have to plug your modem into the phone line. You couldn't get any calls because your computer. So you would do it overnight because you know at nighttime people ain't. I mean, I guess nowadays people call people all times of night. But you know they wasn't calling. And I I remember I downloaded Yarbrough and Peoples' Don't Stop the Music. Mm. And when I woke up in the morning, I saw a file on my desktop, and I played it. And I lost my mind because I was like, "Okay, you're talking about a kid that grew up with eight tracks and 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 vinyl in his home. Right. So that's the way I knew music to be played. Besides for hearing it from the radio. And even when I heard it from the radio, I understood that the radio was playing those same records that I had in my house. Right. To know that this was actually a file and being played. I said, oh, the whole game is shifting because mm-hmm. i said what if they do away and this is years ago right this is before 2000 i'm saying what if they do away with record stores what if they do away with vinyl what if they do away with cassettes you know what i mean cd's was just starting to come but i was mm-hmm. like what if they do away with these cd's because now there's a file so, so what can they
0: do copy why? anymore
1: yeah i'm I, it was crazy and that was that to me that was it because i knew it's gonna go um to you know it's gonna go there i wrote cool. an article in 97 i think i i wish i could find my old um ip mm-hmm. I, had, I was signed to this um i had a, i had internet from this company in manhattan called broadway.bway.net i never forget <laughs> and um you know they they offered these little blogs and i had put up a blog said Will MP3s cause the record stores to pack? Right. That was in ninety-seven I had wrote that. Mm. You know, and then you know, years later, all you know, it it all went away.
0: Well, the, the music industry is always slow to change. Oh, yeah. Right. And once they figure out how to control the thing, like try let's try to control and corral the internet. It was too yeah. late. Once that horses left the bar, it was a wrap. Yeah, and yeah. for you to have been ahead of that. And to see that. Like you I know you speak in schools all around the world and stuff like that. But let me ask you with your music, if you think about when you first started making music, would you could you say right now that you can go to any DSP and find Sonic music?
1: Um, kinda. Yeah, I mean kinda. Sonic in the last few years gotten kind of popular, you know, like and I don't mean popular like oh, you know, but I mean just like it's starting to happen where people Put us in the same category as our peers, which is cool. You know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, our music, our music never sounded like anybody else's music. So, a young kid um, discovering Sonic right now, most of them are very happy.
0: Mm, it's good. I mean, I ask that question only because there is some music that I have on vinyl that, because they weren't a part of the machine, you cannot find them on these DSPs. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, and, yeah, it's a ton of it.
0: And, and and I think there's also, there's another disconnect. You talked about how these things would go away. It's a disconnect with our music. You talked about black radio earlier. Some of that music that's foundational to what you've done with your career and music-wise and so many others. You know, right. I think Silverman just passed away not too long ago. Yes. And his music is going to be on there because RZA and those guys, mu forever forever. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, there
0: are a million artists. Black artists who are on independent labels, who were purchased by whatever major multinational conglomerate there is, and they just ice those records. Yeah. Uh, we, don't have, we don't have the bandwidth or the space to, to upload those songs and, and put that digitized, and uh, we're not going to waste our time with it. Yeah. It's I'm true. It's very true. It's a disconnect in the history of the continuum of Black musical cultural expression in this country when that gets eliminated. I talk true. about it all the time from we talking about from the Negro spiritual to ragtime,
1: yeah, jazz, it's a lot.
0: It's a so lot. It's country, rock, uh, uh, gospel, race music, which ended up yeah. becoming rock and roll. Yes, right. You know, and everything after that, funk, yeah. soul, R&B, rap. But there's a disconnect because we can't, much like people who were extracted from another continent and brought here to work, we can't connect to that past. Yeah. Right? With the vehicles that are necessary to connect with that past now, the, the modern vehicles, right? Yeah. But um as we delve into our past and look toward our future, I want to thank you for, for coming on and being such a great guest. But I'm gonna talk to you about basketball and talk to you a little bit about hip hop culture. And we do draft years. So right. the greatest draft years of normally, you know, I say the top three. Okay. It was the 84 draft, obviously, with Michael Jeffrey Jordan with chemo Abdul Olajuwon in 84 great draft okay. class okay draft class oh John Stockton mm-hmm. I mean, they guys, Hall of Famers top tier Hall of Famers and then the 96 draft which they say it had the most depth yes of course the late great Kobe Bean Bryant
1: mm-hmm.
0: Ray Allen Steve Nash like they have so many Stefan Marbury Allen Iverson like they had some guys in that draft class. Yeah. And then you have the 2003 class with Christopher Weston Bosch, with Dwayne Tyrone Wade Jr., and of course, uh, I have to t- I I didn't tell you this before the show. The hashtag, he who shan't be named because people get emotional when you say his name. Right. Right. So, you know who the hashtag is, right? So, those classes, and you I mean, you could basically toss a, a you know. Yeah. I mean, they can say '87 with Pippen and Reggie Miller and those guys. They can say '85 with Patrick Ewing, but really, they're kind of secondary to those three classes. Right. If you choose three rap release classes.
1: The years of those rap release classes. What would they be, and why? Well, for me, I, I got some '80 stuff in my head, but '88 is always there for me. Okay. Right. '88. 88, 88, I feel was the best year in hip hop.
0: Because those it- names. Formed so they know. Yeah. In full gear. Yep. Straight out of Compton. Yep. Follow the leader. Yep. Long live the king. Yep. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back, and the great adventures of Slick Rick.
1: Eighty-eight is that year, B. Was- so, so, it was. So 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 it's thing. funny that you say draft. You say draft classes. Um, there's a there's a lot of people that use um, what's that terminology they use? What's that thing they say? um golden era that's the thing they say golden okay. era so i have been i have been i have been stuck because i said you know well maybe we need to think about more than one golden era okay because so that's a golden era Yeah, 88 but then okay what's, th- what's that golden era with jay biggie Jaru, pun what's that
0: Okay, so let me go to that. So I'm, I'm gonna throw you some years out to you because I feel bad. I didn't have any. I could have said 2015. You know, that's Kendrick. That's Drake.
1: I could have said 2005. Uh, 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 it's light. That's you know, light. Those that's are light. light. Okay, that's light. But there, that's but what but there's it. some. There's somebody in the end of that 90s. I got you though. Or I got in the of I that 2000s. I could
0: have been in there, but I got you. I got. I, I, I put three. Let's take two out of those. Okay. Okay. So okay. Ninety-three. You got Doggy Style. Okay. You got Midnight Marauders. Okay. Enter the Wu Tang. The Thirty Sixth Chamber. That's crazy. You got Strictly for My Niggas. Tupac. Yes. That's ninety-three. Ninety-four. Illmatic. Ready okay. to Die. Scarface. The Diary. Comments. Resurrection. Ninety-three to Infinity by Souls of Mischief out in the West Coast, the Bay Area. Yay! Yay! in southern playlisted Cadillac music from the Atlanta dreams of Outcast. Andre, Lauren Benjamin, yeah. and Antoine Andre Patton. Those guys. That's a good year. Ninety four was a good real year. good year. Yeah,
1: ninety four is a good year. I like I, I like ninety four, but then what's that year that Little Main Little Wayne did them Fireman mixtapes?
0: Oh, that had to be like ninety eight. But wait, wait. So ninety six. It was written. That, so you got Nas. You got Atlians you got Reasonable Doubt with Jay-Z, you got The School by the Fugees, All Eyes of Me Tupac, Iron Man Ghostface, UGK Riding Dirty was
1: 96, it's hard. Well, Riding Dirty is my favorite album in the world.
0: What, um, Riding is your favorite album?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's my number, that's my top hip hop album or all albums. You,
0: you, but you see what I'm saying though, it's hard to pick them. So yeah. if those that I put out there, just because we could do this all night, but 88 is top tier for you, no yeah. question. So between 93, 94 and 96, you have to drop one of them. Which one
1: would I, I would go with, nine, I, I, I'll i take 94. You'll drop 94 or you'll keep it? No, I'll keep 94.
0: All right, so 94 is a, is a given. Yeah. So between 93 and 96, what are you keeping? Uh, are
1: you see, if I don't don't, if I don't keep, if I don't keep.
0: 96, you're playing yourself. Yeah, you but, play I, yourself. but I mean, it's
1: all, yeah, yeah, but I don't, I'll still drop 96 is right? <laughs> still going to be my album. Right. but <laughs> I don't think 96 could, that that year with that. Come on, man. Me and my man, me and my best friend, Richie, one of the things that we always say, we loved the chronic. We really did. Mm-hmm. Doggy style made everything believable. Right. That was it.
0: Right.
1: And I listened, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, now everybody's Spotify and Apple musicing and all that, I'm in the car. You burned them and up. I put, on, <laughs> I put on the chronic, Right. And I was feeling it. I put on doggy style, man, that thing go hard, man. No doubt. That doggy no doubt. style go hard, yeah. So I would have to, I, yeah, I would, I, I would drop 96. I would take 93. Okay.
0: Well, I appreciate your time and consideration, my man. Let the people know what you're doing today. Like, what are you up to now? I see so, the studio. Background. yeah, so mean-
1: so we we um a few things. One is working on the Stetsasonic Sonic album, which I am really really pleased with. You know, we dropped a single earlier this year. Shout out to LL Cool J and Rock the Bells. We went like 13 weeks in high rotation all over Sirius. Um, all our fans know the record, all our fans picked it up, so that was great. Um, working on the, the next set of releases. I promised the band that the next time we shoot a video, I'm gonna shoot three at a time. Right. Because I just don't like this space in between records. We got records, but it's just stupid to release a record without a video now. Right. So I just not doing that. So that's a sonic album. Um, Working on self-destruction too. my Mm. first. um, So I can't do one song. So I got to do a series of songs. My first song is produced by Toby and Wigway. So it's me, Toby, Big Crit, West Side Boogie and Chuck D. Was that the video you were shooting in Houston, was it? No, I was shooting something. What was I shooting? I forgot what I was shooting in Houston, but it wasn't that. We wasn't shooting that yet. Um, And then I'm working on some other stuff. I got like crazy music right now Mm. for self-destruction too. Primo gave me heat, Rottweiler gave me heat, KG and Tramp gave me heat, Large Professor gave me heat, Easy Moby gave me heat. P- Rock gave me heat. Like I'm sitting on the, the heat. I'm just I just gotta match now the, the, the MCs with the with mm. the music. So self-destruction two. And then you know I must keep dropping these daddy o albums. So I've been finished with this next daddy o album, which is called First Team. I'm just waiting for my team to go through it and redline everything because I always give them way more records than I need. And then they mark off what's going to be and what's not going to be and all of that kind of stuff. I got to cop one of them grown folks hoodie joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so yeah, so, so I'm, I'm doing that. I mean, you know, just and 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 then I got, you know, I got all the dream stuff in my head, which is my dream is to A&R all my peers. So I've been wow. talking to Paz K. And so I'm starting on that process. I've been talking to Kaz. We haven't started, but I'm thinking about that. I know for a fact that I have the next Rakim record. I know it.
0: That's dope.
1: Like, I know I have it. Like, I, was Ryan... about, I was just yeah. talking about Paz
0: and K the other day.
1: Yeah, Paz, Paz is on it. Paz got some, he got some dope, dope ideas. I'm just trying to line him up because all I want to do is AR it. I mean, I produce records, yeah, but all I want to do is AR it. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 let the producers do what they do because i'm sitting on like i don't know 19 20 producers that are just wicked with it you know we get, off of,
0: we get off of here we're gonna schedule a little AR review for you i'm gonna play oh, yeah. some stuff from absolutely. up here absolutely, absolutely. but daddy oh sir my man i appreciate everything that you are and everything you are doing and everything you will continue to be sir i appreciate you
1: yes sir we need to do this again absolutely
0: thank my man, Glenn K. Bolton, a.k.a. Daddy-o. Oh, dad. Baby Bookie. Daddy-o from the legendary Stetson Sonic, the original rap band. No doubt spreading love because it is the Brooklyn way. He is Brooklyn to the heart. And with that said, it is now time for the news, views, and truths that you choose on the NBA and beyond in a complete shocker. The formerly Number one ranked. University of South Carolina Lady Gamecocks were upset in the SEC title game by the University of Kentucky led by Ryan Howard with a last second three-pointer to win the game and win the conference automatic bid going to the University of Kentucky Lady Wildcats. So salute to them. It is a totally disappointing way to end off a very dominant season, at least regular season. for the Lady Gamecocks of Dawn Staley but they're looking forward to the madness and where they're gonna be seated. They'll still be a number one seed, but the overall number one seed in the entire tournament looks to be Tara Vanderveer's Stanford Cardinal, who went on to win the Pac-12 championship this past weekend, so salute to them, as well as the other winners of some really big conferences. I know the Big 12 is coming up soon, but the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC, the winners, the North Carolina State Lady Wolf Pack. Salute to you for punching your ticket to the dance and in the Big 10, Kaitlyn Clark, Iowa Hawkeyes, winning the Big Ten Conference title. They too have now booked their automatic ticket to the NCAA championship tournament with hopes and dreams of making it to the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota for the women's Final Four. Who won't be in Minneapolis unless she's there as a spectator is former University of Virginia head coach. Tina Thompson, the Hall of Famer and the first person ever drafted 25 years ago to the WNBA was let go after four straight losing seasons for the Cavaliers. Shouts out to my man, H to the Izzo, Tom Izzo for finally breaking the record of Big Ten wins by a head coach formerly held by the legendary Hall of Fame coach Robert Montgomery Knight of Indiana University. And while Izzo's Michigan State Spartans will be marching to the madness, Syracuse University's Jim Boeheim who's been there, I think Jim Behan, I think he opened up the school. He was there when they broke ground. This guy was a player there, he's been a coach there forever, at least all my lifetime, I know. It seems like it. Says he has a succession plan for when he retires, much like the coach we're gonna talk about in a second. Who knows what that is? Maybe one of his sons, Buddy, or I can't remember the other one's name. But they're playing for him now, and I think they're gonna keep it a family business for sure. I think he has that kind of cachet, Unless Carmelo Khayyam Anthony retires, goes back and coaches that team. I doubt that's going to happen. I don't see Carmelo as being the coach there, but. And what would college basketball look like without Mike Krzyzewski as the head coach at Duke University? I'm still not ever going to try and spell his name from memory. It won't happen. Too many Z's, too many Y's. It doesn't sound like it's spelled. I'm not doing it. But salute to the 75 year old head coach who had Almost a hundred of his former players show up for his last home game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Coach K Court, unfortunately, the rival from down Tobacco Road, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, stomped a mud hole in the highly ranked Duke University Blue Devils. We're going up to March Madness for sure, as Mike Krzyzewski let his audiences crowd know that you know he was disappointed in how they performed in his last game at home, but the season's not over yet. Amazing to see. How many of his former players showed up? Like I said, almost 100. I think 96 to be exact, showed up. For his final game there at Duke. Begs the question, who was the greatest player to ever come out of Duke? Current, past, it doesn't matter. I mean, some might say Christian Laettner, but he didn't really have a great NBA career. So does it, do you have to have an NBA career to be one of the greatest from Duke? Is it Tyus Jones? Is it Tyus Jones? Is it Johnny Dawkins? Mark Allery and Jay Billis. Nah, they're not saying that. Maybe they're saying... Grant Hill, easy pick. Maybe they're saying Kyrie Irving. R.J. Barrett. They're not saying Zion, but maybe they are. Jason Tatum. Brandon Ingram. I don't know if all those guys were there, but they've been quality pros. And right now, it's hard to say who's the greatest Duke player of all time. It could be Kyrie because of the shot. You know, Grant Hill's in the Hall of Fame. Kyrie eventually may end up being there. But Grant Hill's career was cut short in the NBA, but it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It is... The Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame and Coach Shosevsky will have a wing of his own now that he's retiring. So salute and fairly well to Mike Shosevsky. I'm sure we'll have more words for him at the end of this run in March Madness because the men are punching their tickets to go to New Orleans and play in the Superdome. It is I don't know what the naming rights today. It's not Mercedes-Benz anymore. It must be the Caesars Superdome. Where 40 years ago when Michael Jeffrey Jordan hit shot heard around the world as Georgetown was defeated by the University of North Carolina in the start of the lore of Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Switching gears to the National Basketball Association, looking at the 99 cent bin as we move into the last couple of weeks of the regular season in the NBA, teams will be looking for additional pieces to round out their rosters as they head toward the playoffs. At least those teams that are heading that way and the Lakers released the riding remains of Highland DeAndre Jordan Jr. As soon as he was put on waivers, the Philadelphia 76ers picked him up to back up Joel Embiid. Doesn't bode well for your championship aspirations if Joel Embiid goes down and you have to depend on 30 to 35 minutes from the great DeAndre Jordan. With this subtraction from the Lakers bench, they added veteran point guard DJ Augustine to the backcourt to show up whatever deficiencies, and there are lots. I don't know if he helps him on the defensive end, but hey, solid vet is good to have in the locker room, you know. Speaking of solid vets, I also want to send shouts out to Isaiah Jamar Thomas, who is fighting to get back in the NBA, is killing the game in the G League, got called up for a ten day the Charlotte Hornets, is fitting into their rotations pretty well, and maybe and may get signed for the rest of the season. So shout out to him. Shouts out to Nick Stauskas. Now I know he won't help them on the defensive end, but the Boston Celtics picked up Nick after playing for the same team that IT was going off for. The Grand Rapids gold. Apparently you get the green light there. I need to find out who the head coach is. Maybe I can get a 10-day in the G League. Let the big gun off. But Nick Stauskas, back in the league. Notice a three-point shooter, not much else. Gonna get a chance off that Boston bench at some point. Maybe, you never know. But it's good to see Nick back in the league. And. One of my favorite players, the guy who's flourishing, picked the team. I thought he was going to go to Chicago. I thought it was a good place for him after he was released by Milwaukee. was Demarcus Samir Cousins, flourishing in Denver, my high city. Nikola Jokic was out for one game. Cousins started, gave you 31-9 in like less than 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, that's the old Demarcus Cousins and not looking like old Demarcus Cousins. So shout out to DeMarcus, is going to be a big help off that bench as they have reinforcements on the way to help out my man, Nicola Jermaine. In injury news that won't help the fans of the Brooklyn Nets, sharpshooter Joe Harris has been ruled out for the rest of the season, has to have ankle surgery again. Not going to be playing, and he was one of the guys that were counting on to release some of the pressure from, at the time, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and, of course, Kevin Wayne Durant. That's not going to happen. Kevin Durant coming back. And doing work. We're going to talk about him in a second. Some of the games he's come back for, 31 this return game in a loss. And a recent game, one of the games of the week as a matter of fact, against the Boston Celtics. Where he did work, but again, came up short. It is said that Zion Williamson is back in New Orleans after being away from the team. They were on a four-game losing strike before this loss recently in overtime to Nikola Jermaine Jokic and the rest of the Denver Nuggets. They're going to integrate Zion Williamson back in. Whether they are showcasing him to move him. I don't know if you need to showcase him, but, you know, it is what it is. Or to actually include him in their plans moving forward and see how that works. We'll find out. March 10th, 2022 is a date highlighted in crayon for most Philly fans. As Benjamin David Simmons returns the Wells Fargo Center as a member of the Brooklyn Nets. He won't be playing, unfortunately. His back is still bothering him he's out indefinitely there's no timetable for his return but he will be returning to philadelphia i cannot wait for that game he's gonna be sitting on the bench with his teammates and even though he's not playing the boos will be present best believe he should watch out for batteries packed in snowballs being thrown at him during the game i wonder if they'll check for that stuff when he goes i'm not wishing anything bad on ben simmons i just know philly fans In Philadelphia, James Harden sat out of the game just recently, their first loss with James Harden on the roster. He didn't happen to be playing the game against the Miami Heat, who shut everything down. They locked down Tobias Harris, they locked down Tyrese Maxey. They drew perspective MVP candidate Joel Hans Embiid into a 4-for-15 game defense. So they have reinforcements coming in Miami sooner than later. They're a tough defensive squad. They have a tough-minded coach a tough-minded leader, whether you want to say it's Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, they have all of that. Hall of Fame player Rick Barry blowing their horn on NBA officiating, saying, you know, they get away with carrying and traveling all the time. Just call the game the way it's supposed to be called, but that's a tough call to make, all pun intended. The game, while it's the game, is also entertainment. And stuff that guys get away with in this league, whether it be Michael Jordan palm dribbling and discontinuing his dribble, Guys, every guy in the NBA discontinues their dribble. That's why you, you can't stop anyone. Because when you think they're picking the ball up, they put it right back down after they cough it. People take steps. They accuse, he who shan't be named, of taking multiple steps to the basket. Most people do in the NBA. If they allow you to do it, what are you gonna do about it? Stop doing it? So, it is what it is. Thank I Rick Barry's gripe. Like the law and order people that I talked about earlier in the podcast, he wants law and order to be upheld in the officiating of the NBA. When he played, the NBA didn't have a television deal. Now they have multiple global television deals worth billions of dollars. Are they gonna spend their time in a televised free throw shooting contest? They already have wrestling on television that's now said, hey, we're not really a sport. We're sports entertainment. The NBA, while it's a job, is also entertainment. And guess what? We're gonna get into that a little bit later on. This has been lots said about the play of Russell Westbrook, former MVP Russell Westbrook, in his time in Los Angeles, coming back home to play in front of his family and his friends there in L.A. It hasn't gone the way that lots of Lakers fans as well as probably Westbrook himself wanted to go. Magic Johnson, legendary, I don't have to tell you who Magic Johnson is, came on television and said, "Look, if the Lakers don't make the playoffs, the Russell Westbrook trade would be the worst trade in the history of the NBA. Wow. A little extra mustard on a hot dog there, Magic. But I can see his point because of the exalted place the Lakers hold in league lore. just think it's a little bit much to put on Russell Westbrook. There is zero appreciation. And zero is not a number, it is an integer. And who else doesn't have appreciation for him is Skip Bayless. I don't spend a lot of time giving oxygen to Skip Bayless, but he spent a lot of time bashing Russell Westbrook. And Russell Westbrook's wife, the former Miss Nina Earl, came online and said, Hey, don't be a coward. If you are going to talk crazy about my man, be man enough to take what I'm going to get back to you. She wanted to run all up in the chimney and not dodge no smoke. If he had any for her, then he blocks her. Mm, Typical Skip Bayless. Straight sucker sauce. Let's go on to something more positive, like the Rookie of the Month. For the third time this year, Oklahoma City Thunder, point guard. Not Russell Westbrook, who used to be that. But Josh Giddy from Australia has been named the Rookie of the Month in the Western Conference for the third time this year, and somehow he won't win Rookie of the Year. But in the East, Scotty Barnes from the Toronto Raptors, who put up a 25-point, 15-rebound, and 5-steal game. The last time that happened for a rookie was a guy by the name of Shaquille Rashawn O'Neal, who achieved that way back in the 1990s. Hard to say Shaq shacked 30 years ago, but that's what it is, basically. shacking 30 years ago, almost. But Scottie Barnes, Rookie of the Month in the Eastern Conference. This man was not a rookie in the 61-62 season. But Wilton Norman Chamberlain probably was at least a player of the week 60 years ago this week when he scored 100 points in one game against the Knickerbockers. His average that week was 71 points, 29 rebounds, and his team went 4-0. Yeah, I don't think anybody was competing with that. And I laugh because he didn't win the MVP that season. Bill Russell did. So maybe he wasn't the player of the week if they had that award back then. But just to imagine that a guy scoring 71 points and 29 rebounds was not. The player of the week during this time, 60 years ago. The players of the month right now in the East. DeMar Darnell DeRozan from the Chicago Bulls, even though they're on a current slide. He's still maintaining his stellar play. And in the West, the hottest team in the league that no one seems to want to talk about. The Dallas Mavericks. Won 11 of their last 13, if I'm not mistaken, behind Luca Lamar Doncic, who just celebrated his 23rd birthday recently. So, shouts out to Luca Lamar. The games of the week. I talked about the KD game against Boston. The Brooklyn Boss Boston game is a great one. Jason Tatum flourishing, just 24 years old. Got his fourth 50-point game in the Celtic uniform, matching that of Larry Joe Bird. But put this in perspective. Bird got his fourth when he was 32 years old. Jason Tatum got his when he was 24 years old. And even though Kevin Durant scored 37, in a game he played with Kyrie, just the third game of the season, he played with Kyrie Irving. He was silent late. 37 points was nice. Kyrie Irving did what he did. He was pedestrian for the most part. The Celtics came out on top of this game. But that's going to be something to look at. You know, because Kyrie said, oh man, look at our squad, man. I know he means that with Ben Simmons, but still, he made the comment and people are going to take it how they want to take it. Oh, that didn't age well, Kyrie. And the other game of the week, I want to highlight, talk about that rough and tumble Miami Heat team against the Milwaukee Bucks, making their move currently third in the Eastern Conference right now. That looks like a preview of the Eastern Conference Finals to me. Maybe I'm being premature, but I'll take that. Milwaukee-Miami is going to be tough. I can see them being the head of class, even with Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers in the conference, and the Chicago Bulls playing the level that they are, even the Cleveland Cavaliers. But they're just not ready at that level yet. And I I can see these two teams, veteran-led, with experience in the Finals, going to be the teams you see in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. And now on to the Power 10, where Phoenix maintains its hold up top with no Chris Paul and a couple of games without Devin Booker. Playing a very spirited game this weekend. The rematch of the 2021 NBA Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. Chris Middleton showed up and showed out to close out. The CB3 and Devin Booker-Less Phoenix Suns, they're number one. At number two, Miami Heat, with Victor Oladipo coming back to the lineup, even though we had not really seen them play extensively in three years. Still having a piece like that on your bench to show up any injuries that could occur, they're going to be tough. At number three, the Memphis Grizzlies, who had a hold on number two in the Western Conference. They surpassed the sliding Golden State Warriors. They dropped back a little bit, they're number three in the lineup. And even though they had some great games with Josh scoring a 50-burger after he scored the career-high 46, the pedestrian play of Jaron Jackson Jr., is he going to be ready for the playoffs? Will Dylan Brooks be back? They're going to need him to play tough and big and not get into foul trouble and not be a target for other teams as they head toward what they think can be a special season for them on Beale Street. And number four, the Philadelphia 76ers. At five, the Milwaukee Bucks. A 6, the Utah Jazz, a team that no one's going to talk about until it comes playoff time. At number 7, the hottest team in the league, the Dallas Mavericks. At number 8, the Boston Celtics. At number 9, a precipitous drop for the Golden State Warriors. Clay, surprise, is not playing like Clay Alexander Thompson you thought was going to come back after two years of not playing anymore. It's going to take some time. He's going to be built for the playoffs. Draymond Green coming back soon. James Wiseman coming back soon. Steve Kerr's going to do a good job with those rotations. Andre Iguodala coming back, he's there for the playoffs. These guys are going to be okay, but right now they are currently number nine in our power team. And last but not least, rounding out to ten, the Chicago Bulls, who are one and thirteen versus the top seven teams in the league. That doesn't bode well for the playoff prospects, but they hadn't had those in years, so I'm not going to down them right now. Some milestones we want to acknowledge. Kevin Wayne Durant became the 23rd player to eclipse 25,000 points in the NBA. The easy money sniper did that in the game against the Celtics this weekend, so congrats. And as an aside, as I celebrate Kevin Durant, I feel like I'm gonna tear him down a bit and I don't want to. It's not my intention. I did want to mention something that was said by Fox Sports' Emmanuel Acho, who seems to conflate, and I'm trying to make it make sense and hopefully you can help me make it make sense. He says, it's flawed to consider KD better than Steph when KD needed Steph Curry to get the things, two rings and finals MVPs, to make KD better than Steph. You follow the logic there? But who is better? I guess it's Taster's choice. KD is easily one of the top five offensive weapons who ever laced up sneakers. A seven-footer, I'm sorry, six-foot-twelve guy who can dribble, pass, shoot from anywhere, smooth with the handle, play solid defense rebound. He's a complete basketball player with very few flaws in his game. And then Steph Curry who they say can only play one side of the ball. I don't know. Steph Curry changed the geometry of the game and that's one thing again when I think about basketball you think about all the aspects of the game but he's a winner. You can't take that away from him. And they say well if you want to make the argument that the Warriors won a championship before KD got there Steph wasn't even the guy on that team. Apparently, Andre Iguodala, who won the finals MVP for slowing he who shan't be named to a paltry 38 points, 15 rebounds and nine and a half assists in the finals with no Kevin Wesley Love and no Kyrie Andrew Irving after game one, but didn't win the title. What do you think? Let me know. You don't have to think about this part. I don't want to even say salute to the Kings. The Sacramento Kings are the first team in probably pro sports history. That 16 consecutive losing seasons. I know it's the record in the NBA. That's not good. And I'm mad at the Spurs right now for messing with the church house money and Greg Popovich becoming the all-time winningest coach in NBA history. They had a couple of opportunities this past week, lost both games. I'm ready to celebrate with you, Pop. Let's make it happen. And speaking of celebration, Lakers fans had temporary reasons to celebrate as the Golden State Warriors and the LA Lakers played this past weekend. And the hashtag, he who shan't be named, in his words, in a desperate situation, came out and dropped 56 points and 10 rebounds in a win over the Warriors. And the criticisms rained down. He's either stat padding when he's losing, he's stat padding when he's winning. They needed all those points to win that game as they won 124 to 116 over the Warriors. And, you know, as every day goes by, there's a historic mark that's made by the hashtag, he who shan't be named. And this one was one of four people to ever score 50 points in a game after the age of 37. Of course, on that list, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Kobe Bean Bryant in his last game, bless the dead. And Jamal Crawford, who said he can give you 20 if you gave him 20 minutes right now. Always stays in shape, looks like he's ready to rock, but the Lakers' issues are not on offense. It's on defense, even though they don't really have an offensive strategy. I don't see it, but, you know, it is what it is. But he also became the first person in league history, at that age to score 55 points and have 10 rebounds. But imagine expecting a 37-year-old player, or forget about 37, imagine expecting a player in this 19th season in the NBA as a professional athlete going out and getting you 56 and 10 every night. Except you don't have to imagine because people expect him to do that, which only lends to his greatness, doesn't it? (laughs) Ha, alas, we move on. And before we get out of here, I want to talk about Bradley Beal, looking to resign in Washington. Washington is terrible, they're not going to be good anytime soon. You're not going to see any banners going up in Washington with Beal, Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma, KCP, probably not going to happen. And that's not a problem for Bradley Beal, who people say, oh, he's loyal to the Washington Wizards. No, he's loyal to $250 million that he can get over the next five years as a 28 year old playing a game that he would play for free anyway. And while it's entertainment for us as fans, as people who love the game, it's also a job, an opportunity to create generational wealth for his family. And every time I say that about a black athlete, I always think about Chris Rock. And Chris Rock has this sketch, I think I can't remember the name of the comedy special he did it in, where he compares rich versus wealthy. And he says, Shaq is rich, Bradley Beal is rich, but Ted Leontes, who pays His salary, as well as the other 14 to 17 guys on the roster, and all the coaches and the workers in the cap center or whether they play now. He pays all those people. Pays all the people that play for the WNBA team he owns. All the announcers, all the broadcasters. He's wealthy. Black people want to start some generational wealth. I'm not mad at Bradley Beal for getting all the money he can get. Also, you know, achieving some of his individual goals, striving toward championship aspirations. There can only be one champion. Sometimes I'm 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 lent to these sayings that I hear. The Mighty Most Death, the artist formerly known as Dante Terrell Smith, A.K.A. Yasin Bey, has a song called Mathematics. The math is easy for me, Brad Bill. Five years, two hundred forty-six million dollars, easy bag. He says it's never the last straw that breaks the camel's back. It's the nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine beneath them. It's called Mathematics. The Mighty Most Deaf. It's not about the destination to which he arrives, it's been the journey. And I think he appreciates the journey. And sometimes we should embrace the journey. And the journey is, hey, you win, you lose, you earn, you live, you can you contribute to your community, contribute to life, make life a little bit better than it was before you got here. And so it's not the outcome that kills you, it's the hoping for the outcome that may not be in your control that does. But you don't have to hope anymore, because we're here. And we'll be here again next week On the podcast where basketball and life are one. So until then, do remember. Do what's popular with the population. Make sure you don't get beat off the dribble. And continue listening to The Open Run with Will Strickland. Rich Kid, the sound provider. Do what you do when you do it, my guy. Easy.